A podcast of the cinema. My name is Dave White. I'm a film critic for The Wrap. Your name is Alonzo Duralde. You're the film reviews editor at The Wrap. You host other podcasts too. We'll name those later. What else is there to say? Uh, we're spouses. Oh yeah, we're married to each other. The end. Okay, now. Boom. Do you have any little... Uh, Nonsense things to talk about before we start talking about movies. I don't really have anything. Uh, not really. I'm uh, other I, than I'm really thankful to you that you, you know, just finished a a, a, a brown sugar cinnamon pop tart instead of the last cherry. I would never Pop-Tart. take the last cherry from you. What kind of monster do you think I am? You know how I am about fruit-based desserts. Fruit. Desserts. Desserts. <laughs> they say undoubtedly. They're my favorite. <laughs> I like a brown sugar cinnamon thing too, but like, you know. I know. You're team fruity. I, I, I'm, I am always. Not just during Pride Month. No. <laughs> Aren't we all team fruity during Pride Month? <laughs> that we are. <laughs> I, um... No, I'm not, sorry. If my thoughts are elsewhere, it's because I'm just I'm trying to think if I've forgotten to pack anything for Max FunCon. This hey, weekend. people, are you going to the Maximum Fun Convention this weekend? It's called Max Fun Con. I guess it's too late to sign up now, isn't it? Probably it's tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You're going away. Yep. For yeah, forty eight hours. Ish. You're leaving Friday afternoon. You're coming home Sunday afternoon. That's about 48 hours total turnaround. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Two nights in uh, beautiful Lake Arrowhead, California. Oh, I was thinking two nights in the marriage bed where I am <laughs> able to completely splay my entire body across the whole uh, uh, square footage. Like the, is it the Da Vinci, uh, you know, the, the, the man that you always see with the arms and legs splayed out? Yes. Yeah. That's how I That's sleep. That's how you sleep. When I'm but on here. my belly. <laughs> like not on my back. Got my, got a good face full of my own drool going on. <laughs> <laughs> you really paint a picture. I do. <laughs> you know, I'm a writer. <laughs> and we writers. <laughs> we, Words are our paint. That's right. We, we we convey uh, uh, evocative imagery mm. with our drooly words. <laughs> God, stop saying drool. Drooly. Drooly. <laughs> I, it's an um, old Matt Groening cartoon. I mm. am uh, mostly just going to uh, cook things and catch up on the Angeline show and the Sex Pistols show. Okay. I need to get those knocked out. Yeah. And um, 
If you live in Los Angeles and you think, I need to keep Dave company, that is wrong. <laughs> you don't. You, wants, sha- you shan't. He wants to be alone. I, I like... <laughs> I like complete isolation. <laughs> My favorite thing. I get to, I get to, uh, I get to go into the bathroom and clean out a drawer. Dream weekend. Yeah, I, <laughs> I get to. <laughs> I get to mop the kitchen without having to tell you don't go in there. <laughs> They're small pleasures. Yes. But they are my pleasures nonetheless. Yeah, they're my pleasures. Um I just hope an excessive amount of mail doesn't show up because I really hate fetching the mail when you're not around. Like it's a chore, it's a bother. If anyone wants to come over and bring the mail <laughs> from the mailbox upstairs to our apartment and leave it at the door and don't knock, just leave it there. <laughs> It'll be a good leg-stretching exercise for you. I do that every day, and it's a pain. I know. Literally. I, I get it. Not figuratively. <laughs> literally a pain. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway. Movies, huh? They're back, and they're better than How ever. How about them? Um, we have uh, uh, two new ones, and one from March. That we finally saw. Yes. Let's get that big one right out of the way. And and also an old one that's, that's for some reason, now getting a theatrical life in this country. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. RRR. Uh, yeah. Which, wait, stands for Rise, Roar... Revolt. Revolt. Well, apparently, it, right. it means it, it means it stands for a lot of things depending on where you are and in what language you speak. Oh, I see. Yes, uh, but it, it is very um, you know it's a, it's an international title and it's it's served them well because this has been a huge international hit uh, for Indian cinema, specifically yeah. for uh, Tollywood. Ta- Tollywood. Yes. Tollywood. Thank you. We'll get to that in a minute. Right. Um, this is directed by S.S. Rajamuli. I haven't seen any of his films until now. I have been remiss in checking out the commercial blockbusters that play. Well, I think they all come to L.A., but I think a lot they of sure them do. play around the U.S. Uh, you know, we, we we see like, you know, when Deepa Mehta has a new movie, you know, we, we check that out. But yeah. like, but the, 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 the big action-y stuff I have not been seeing, although our friend David Zeev always with his finger on the pulse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, it's definitely a gap. Um, yeah. And for me, quite often, um, I'm, re- I'm waiting for friends right. to say, check out this one. It's you're gonna want to see this one. Yeah, I mean, David Z for years because there been... are so many that yes. do arrive now. Like routinely, uh, films from India are in the top ten and top twenty in the American box office. Yeah, and and I don't know. Like, because they're all very sort of like, you know, big movies. Right. And running times can be long. Indeed. And so I think, all right, please someone tell me, is this how I spend my three hours? Right. Or my four hours? Yeah. And the groundswell of information about this one. Yes. The overwhelming 
you know, word of mouth and the fact that it's the biggest uh, uh, international Indian, Indian film that's ever played in the U.S. Right? Yes. Like, and has made me think. Okay, well, I'll 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 do it. Yeah. Again, they... I couldn't do it in a theater because of current physical, you know, limitations. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's on Netflix. Yes, it is. You, however, went to the one night encore yes. that happened on June first because again. David Zeev, like, loves these movies, uh, follows a lot of different filmmakers, but this one he was especially like, oh, no, 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 you have to see this. You have to. Quite often, he will recommend to us, yo, check this out, check that out, I uh-huh. love this one, I love that one. And he'll show me some clips, and I'll be like, whoa, it's what is really happening? It's really rare that he says, you don't have a choice. Yeah. You must you see must this. You must see yeah. this. And so this is what happened. And so, yeah, so so I went out to see it on the big screen. You watched it on Netflix. So we, we've seen slightly different versions only. I saw the, the Hindi dub. The Hindi dub. And I got to see it in the with the original Telugu soundtrack. Right. So. Um, what happens in RRR, Dave? Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> The two main actors, yes. uh, N.T. Rama Rao Jr. plays uh, Komaram Beam, who was a Gond tribal leader, and he fought against the uh, Nizam of Hyderabad in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. It is also about Aluri Sitarama Raju. This, is, this person is played by Ram Sharan. He was also a revolutionary leader, and he, you know, fought in an armed uh, war against the British Raj. These two people never actually met. <laughs> and this is a sort of legend-building, uh, uh, completely fictionalized account of how they met and became friends and ultimately revolutionary allies. Yes. It begins with the kidnapping of a young girl from the Gond uh, people. And this prompts Beam to adopt uh, an alias, go into Delhi, and find her. Right. And it, by any means necessary. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Raju is in the British military police. And for this, he is, you know, referred to as a traitor right. uh, by people. Or is he? Yeah, exactly. They dance around, literally. <laughs> I was about to say. Um, have, we, yes, we haven't gotten there yet. They, they <laughs> dance around uh, the truth of each other. Right. Uh, until ultimately they learn the truth about each other. Um, and, and, and a climactic... Uh, situation that marks about the halfway point of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when the when the interval happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rom discovers Rom is trying to find uh, a Beam uh, because if if you know the 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 the, the British uh, forces know that he's coming, but they don't know anything about him. They don't know his name. They have no way of finding. They don't know what him. he looks like. Yeah. They can't. They can't. They can't touch him. He's a ghost, right. basically. And so the sadistic wife of the governor, played by Indiana Jones and the Last Crusades, Allison Duty, yes, says anybody who brings this guy to me alive um, will be made a special officer. Yeah. And in a prologue, we saw Rom like single-handedly quell a riot by beating the crap out of thousands of people. 
in a stunning sequence. A little aside here, all the crowd scenes in mm-hmm. this movie, they make a point at the very beginning of the film. There's a title card that says, every animal in this movie is computer generated. Yes. Because the animals are doing insane, insane things. things. And so there's no way, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know what isn't computer generated? The crowd scenes? The crowd scenes. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, so he does, he, he like, you know, goes way above and beyond the call of duty as a, as an, as a, an officer and is completely ignored at right. promotion time. So when she says, anybody who brings you this guy alive will be, will be promoted to special officer. He's like, I'm on it. I got this. And so then they become friends, not knowing who the other is like. You know, Beam knows there's a cop on their tail, and and Rom is trying to find you know whoever Beam is. So when that moment of realization hits them both, it's kind of like <gasps> awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, so along the way, there are enormous set pieces. Oh man! That not only do they last a long time, not only are they intricately choreographed whether they are fighting or dancing um th- yeah this is not a musical by the way which a, a lot of films from this it's also world. not not a it's musical. not not a musical <laughs> <laughs> it has musical elements oh for sure and at least that one you know a, a, yeah uh, an unforgettable dance number, dance number and yeah. also a song that is a turning point in the plot yeah well, there's sort of like a a, a, a a chorus-like nature to some of the songs in that the people singing the songs are filling in plot details right. for you, and you read them in the subtitle. <laughs> one of my favorite parts is when, you know, like when, when the two have sort of discovered who the other one is. And they're fighting. I know exactly what you're about to <laughs> and say. And the subtitle says, this is an unforeseen development. Well, no, okay, well, then, <laughs> that is funny, but there's also... Um, the, a line that is like 10 seconds later, as these two are beating each other to a bloody pulp. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics of the song are, will this end in bloodshed? I'm like, it's, bloodshed's already happening. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, we left that station. They are doing bloodshed <laughs> to each other right now. Oh, man. The, I... I mean, look again. Our friends who went, you know, opening night, uh, yeah. uh, and 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 you know, said it was just one of the most unforgettable yeah. uh, film experiences they've ever had. I got to say, even seeing it on on June first with a, a mostly packed uh, crowd in North Hollywood, I have never. It's been a while since I've been in a theater with that much energy and excitement and enthusiasm. Uh-huh. People were just like cheering and standing up and clapping and uh-huh. and because it's it's just that kind of movie you can't believe what you're seeing half the time and the payoffs just deliver so brilliantly there's so much of it that is just overwhelming you know as i said these gigantic set pieces that are meant to blow you out of your seat and they do and even though you understand that most everything you're seeing is you know, some kind of green screen situation, um, at least with the animals and yeah. often with, you know, uh, you know, people flying through the air and stuff like that. Um, again, not the crowd scenes. The crowd scenes, those are all real people. Yeah. Even though so much of this, you know, you can tell when it's digital, uh, it is thrilling. Yeah. And the cumulative force 
of what's happening on screen, the fantastical nature of a lot of what's happening on screen. Because again, this isn't a biopic. It is a legend building kind of fantasy about what could have happened, you know, um, but what could have actually never really happened because no. people can't fly through the air like this and, you know, wrestle with tigers and antelopes, you know, in mid somersault and stuff like that. By the end of the movie, they're calling up like the Mahabharata and yeah. like these other myths. It's, you know? It is the kind of film that uh, the word, uh, the film critic word, rousing, was invented for. <laughs> it will, it will elevate your heart rate. <laughs> it's that exciting, and I watched it on TV. Yeah. So as I sat there on the couch, I was like, oh, ah, ooh, ooh. <laughs> for three hours. There's a rescue sequence involving. A burning train car, a bridge, a rope, a horse, a motorcycle, and a flag. <laughs> yes. That's just, you just, you can't believe what you're seeing. And, <laughs> and you're right. It's like, yeah, the, maybe some of the green screen is kind of green screeny, but you sure. don't care. You don't care. <laughs> it just, it, it falls into this realm of like, it's, it's so creative and so thrilling that you're just like, okay, if I, whatever, you know. There's a there's a swagger involved to this. Mm. And it's, and it's all about like, check out what we're doing here. <laughs> You know, you know it can't really happen. You, you, but also you don't care. There's also like such a homosocial relationship at the at the center of this movie. Um, the emotional component. Yeah, I is mean, like it's, fully, it's it, it's romantic is yeah. what I've been hearing it called. You know, and again, I think there is a tendency in these films that there is a certain chasteness in the portrayal of of uh, you know romances with women right so you so each of the characters does have a female love interest yes but the real central relationship is, here is the is two there is their their bonding yeah and and what their bonding would mean for the the history of 20th century india right also having walked into this movie not really knowing you know either of these actors I totally get why they are two of the biggest movie stars on earth. Right. Yeah, I didn't Just, know either of these guys until until watching it. Yeah. And Ram Charan and, and Junior NTR, as he's called for short. Okay. Uh, yeah, those guys are just... They got the thing. They, the camera yeah, they can't absolutely, get enough of. Yeah, you know? they absolutely are movie stars. Yeah. In the way that, you know, the screen, the camera loves them, and they pop off the screen. Yeah. Um. And it, it's funny because the first time you see uh, Ram Charan, the camera almost doesn't initially pay enough attention to him. And you're like, oh, that guy's going to be somebody. <laughs> Look at that mustache. <laughs> that dude is totally going to be somebody. Whereas NTR gets like the most sort of, you know, entrance into the film. It is erotic. Yeah. It is utterly sexual. Like, and it's not. It's not sexual it's at all. It's not sexual at all. It is just this this man's like magnetism on screen. The first moment you see him, you're like, oh hey. <laughs> How's it going? Wow. Yeah. This be back to pick you up later, good looking. <laughs> yeah. It's I hope I hope I hope there is like another opportunity for people to see this projected because yes, I mean, see it on Netflix, see it by all means, but man, if you can ever see this in a theater, do it. It is exciting. It's emotional. It's moving. It's surprising 
at what gets thrown at you at any given random moment. Um, and on, it, on that dance, that oh, dance man. is breathtaking. Yeah, it's breathtaking. I, I love this movie. Yeah. I, 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 I felt like, okay, David Zeev, <laughs> I got three hours. What are you going to do for me? This and everything everywhere are like, I, 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 I mean, not only at sort of the, my top of the list for the year, but just kind of making me rethink what movies are capable of and how they're capable of doing it. And, and, you know, Marvel's got a lot of catching up to do because these are, these films are, are getting into that territory of being these kind of adrenaline packed, thrilling, you know, pieces of cinema and they're about something and they're saying something and they have characters and, you know, they're delivering on all fronts. It's full quadrant. It does make me wonder, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, first time subtitle audience, Mm. you know, would make of this, um, United States, you know, first time subtitle audience. I think this could definitely be a gateway sure. film, not just for films from India, but, you know, films that you have to read. Yeah. Uh, In the same way the Raid movies are. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very, it's, it's special. Yeah. Yeah. And also part of this wave of anti-colonial cinema that's hitting oh, yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we haven't seen Neptune Frost yet, which is opening uh, this week in New York and next week in L.A. I'm hearing good things about that. Uh, but we have seen Cane Fire, mm-hmm. which is currently in New York and opening Friday in Los Angeles. Uh, which is Please a, discuss. It's a new documentary from director uh, Anthony Banwa Simon, and it's distributed by uh, one of Dave's favorites, Cinema Guild. And it's a kind of a history of. I think a lot of people have favorite film distributors, well, don't they? I think A24 is really sort of working the idea of, like, you love us, buy our merch, you know. I love Cinema Guild. I love Grasshopper. I love Strand. Yes. A24 is fine. Yeah, A24 and Neon, I, I think more often than not, are doing, you know, good work. Yes. Uh, but yes, Cinema Guild is, is, a, is, a, is a brand to trust. So this is a film about how Hawaii has been exploited first by, uh, you know, sugar and uh, pineapple uh, concerns that kind of came in and, you know, exploited the, uh, you know, indigenous population, also bringing in labor from places like the Philippines and Japan and China and exploiting them as well. Um, and then the United States sort of culturally, I mean, not culturally, sort of politically annexing Hawaii into its, the 50th state for its military usage and then also as, you know, for various other reasons. And then Hollywood sweeping in and through film and television presenting this version of life there that is basically you know, white people in the foreground and fully and, invented. Yeah. 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 To the point where if you've ever gone to Hawaii and at night, the resort hotel has a big fire ceremony. A white lady made that thing up. It is not she any, owned a hotel. It is not anybody's <laughs> tradition except for hers. Um, so, yeah, so it's this mix of, of kind of, you know, personal family story. His grandfather, in addition to being uh, a, 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 a labor and a union leader, uh, also appeared as an extra in a lost Lois Weber silent film called Cane Fire. Um, 
you know, and, and you know, he talks to various relatives who, like older ones who've, who've been there for a long time and, you know, saw the changes over the years, uh, you know, cousins now who find themselves working in the tourism industry and even sort of defending it at times. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, I've never been to Hawaii. I, I had a vague notion that these issues existed. I know there's always been like a, a, a Hawaiian sort of separatist independence movement, but I didn't really know much of the details and this film really gets into that in a, in an interesting way. And it sounds like homework, but it's not because right. he keeps, you know, it's like, it's like for every, you know, bit of hard truth about, you know, the sugar companies did this and the U S government did that. Then you get clips of Elvis and Charlton Heston in their movies being ridiculous. Well, it's, it's, and, and that's not meant to be like, you know, lighthearted comedic, uh, relief. No, it is, uh, an essay film, very yeah. much like you mentioned this earlier today, like uh, Tom Anderson's Los Angeles plays itself, yeah. where the history of a of a place is told through cinema, and in this in this instance, it's told through cinema and in the reality of the lives of people who were connected not just to tourism, not just to the plantations, but also to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, in their occasional work with the films that wound up being shot there. Um, so, yeah, it's really eye-opening for, you know, I too, I've never been to Hawaii. Um, everything I learned about Hawaii as a child, I I got from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> And, and don't forget that episode of Happy Days when they're at a party to celebrate. It's I don't remember that episode. Oh. But the uh, it is very easy to grow up in the U.S. In the continental U.S. Simply accepting the narratives, the construction, the history that is, that is sold to you, that right. has been constructed by uh, outsiders. You know, there's this official story that isn't true. And... Watching this, you know, it's at times enraging. Yeah. Uh, and at times you feel like, you know, there there might not be anything like an easy way out of it uh, because corporate uh, interests control the United States now. Yeah. Um, more so than the politicians that we all, you know, shake our fists at. They're just employees. Of the corporations. Of the corporations at this point. Um, and so it's it, it can be, you know, a dispiriting thing to watch as you're watching this documentary, but it is such a an engagingly constructed, you know, juxtaposition of elements that, again, you say it's, it, when you, you, someone says, oh, I've got a documentary about colonialism and exploitation, <laughs> and you think, nah, maybe not today. Um, this movie really works in a in a beautiful way because it's teaching you stuff you didn't know and stuff that is not good, and you are engaged with it with your heart as well. Well, because because he's telling this to you on a personal level. Uh -huh. You're meeting his, his family, family yeah. his cousins, his great uncle, and they're talking about this stuff. And so it's not this abstract of like, well, this happened and this was terrible. It's sort of like, this is this happened to us. And of all the clips they show from films, however many of them that you have seen, 
you know, the first thing I thought of was I have to go rewatch that with all new eyes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, this is really a special film. I, I, I encourage, like, I encourage you to watch this. Yes, absolutely. You know, and it's, you know, if, 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 if running time is an issue for you, it's short. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and if there's not a lot you, you know about uh, Hawaii, then start here. And are there clips from Dino Croc versus Super Gator? There are. <laughs> In a way that the filmmakers of Dino Croc versus Super Gator never anticipated. Uh, and I hope, I hope they are pleased with the juxtaposition. They of should clips. be thrilled. They should be, for sure. Um, I hear a delivery happening outside oh. the door. Let's go get it. Il Buco. Which I have not seen, but sounds like it's cool. Oh, did, did you turn the microphone back on? Yeah. Okay, we've got, we picked our delivery up from the door and yes. now we're back and the... It was like we were never gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's been magic. It's been many moments, but <laughs> now we're back. Uh, Il Buco, it means the hole. Yes. It's an Italian film. It's from Michelangelo Framertino. Uh, his last film was about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, the Four Seasons, The Four Times. Yeah. Il Quattro Volte, I think yeah. is what it was called. Yeah. Um, if you saw that one, then you kind of sort of know where you're going with this one too um it is set in a rural uh village in southern italy it is in fact where uh his parents are from Mm -hmm. and so in 1961 a team of speleologists went down uh, a hole the titular hole in a crack at the base of these hills to find out how deep the cave was. And it turned out to be about the third deepest cave in the world at Whoa. that time. Um, something like that, but very deep. This film is a docudrama, a recreation of that exploration. Okay. It is entirely, well, I should say, almost entirely wordless. Do they go into the actual cave? They do. Okay. Um, And you spend that 90 minutes with them going down inside into this, you know, pitch blackness. I did not know what I was seeing when when I walked in. I walked in cold, mm. and my first so did thought the was speleologist. my <laughs> first thought was, <laughs> there were period details, right. you know, in the film, and I thought, wait, is this what's? You thought maybe this was going to be a documentary Are or we, something? Is this because it's shot, you know, in the, in a very documentary like way? And I mm. thought. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so he's, this isn't a documentary. It's a recreation of a, <laughs> of a thing that happened, but it, it really happened, so, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming there's no title card that tells you. You know. Okay. They, you are told nothing. <laughs> you, you are on a ride uh, with this movie. Um, now, it was shot by Renato Berta. Famous cinematographer, 
uh, who has worked with, I mean, get ready for this list, uh, Godard, Strobe Guillet, Alain Resnay, uh, uh, Andre uh, Teshine, Louis Mal, Manuel de Oliveira, Eric Romer, everyone. Wow, okay. Yeah. Michael Bay. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> Actually, he probably doesn't no, wish at all. No, he has no idea. Um, and so the, the, the visual sense of this film is one in which every moment of that is conveying the story. And you are mandated to follow that hmm. rather than anybody telling you anything about anything. To that end, you're in a cave a lot, and it's extremely frightening. <laughs> I'm claustrophobia trigger warning. <laughs> I, I sat through it thinking, this is the descent without the monsters. Like, <laughs> I found myself alternating between how is the camera down here with... Oh, God, get me out of here. And maybe you don't want to watch The Rescue, which is the documentary yeah. about the, the Thai soccer team. Yeah, yeah. Um, having said all that, stunningly beautiful. Uh, and the, 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 the artistry of what you're seeing not only conveys the entire story, um, until a title card at the end says, here's what happened and here's what we did. Right. Um, it's like entering space. <laughs> and the, 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 the film itself becomes a film about what happens with people in spaces, what happens with a camera in a space. <laughs> not necessarily outer space, but as otherworldly as this environment is, realizing that you're actually just uh, about 100 feet below the earth, mm. um, it's still like being taken into a different planet. Did I wish maybe there had been a little more, here's what these people are doing and why? <laughs> sure, but that was never the intention. So it's like if Frederick Wiseman made a narrative film and also didn't give you any backstory yeah, yeah. or yeah. Um, his intention is entirely uh, picture based. Mm. I guess we're gonna say, and and that's that turns out to be enough. Again, staggeringly beautiful. Yeah, and if you find it playing in an art house near you go because the the feeling of being overwhelmed by the the space yeah is the meaning of the film and that's why you should be there i think it would be more difficult to block that out if watching it on a television yeah fran hefner who reviewed it for me at the rap was like yeah the, the the only problem with this movie and it's not the movie's fault is that it's not being released in IMAX yeah. that it's not being shown in theaters more like it basically had a it was on one screen in New York it's going to open on one screen in Los Angeles because you know it's an Italian docudrama about a you know cave expedition in the 1960s so it's you know it's hard to get that onto the big screen but it is a movie you do want to see on the big screen yeah so uh, 
The experience, while occasionally harrowing for someone like me who does not want to be inside an enclosed space, worth your time. Hmm. Absolutely. Gorgeous. Uh, also making its way to the big screen is um, Panda Go Panda. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> I'm not After all this sure. Time, it's, I, I'm not saying why, like oh that movie. I'm saying like I mean it's the it's, it's pretty the, old. At it's this the point. 50th anniversary, maybe. I, I to be honest, I'm not entirely sure what all that is about. Okay. Um, but you know, we, you and I have given the DVD to every new parent oh, yeah. in our family. Yeah, pretty and much. it is always a hit. Like yeah. little kids love this, but yes. I've never actually seen it. And it is of interest, obviously, if you are an animation fan at all, because it's kind of Studio Ghibli before there was a Studio Ghibli. Uh, this is written by Hayao Miyazaki. It is directed by Isao Takahata, who are the the two of them would basically form, you know, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. And it is about a very independent little girl um, whose grandmother uh, goes away for a memorial to her late grandfather. The girl's parents are dead, so she lives with the grandmother. But now the grandmother's going on a trip. She's going to be by herself. And at the beginning of the movie, she's coming back from the train station where she's just dropped off the grandmother and she's buying groceries and stuff. And everybody in town is obviously concerned for her and making sure she's okay. But they all sort of say to the camera, well, you know, she really takes, she really takes care of her grandmother and not vice versa. So she's very, you know, capable. And, uh, when she comes home, what should she find in her backyard, but a baby panda Mm -hmm. and they hang out. And then the Papa Panda shows up and uh, the girl invites him in and it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, like I don't, you, you know, you can be my father and I can be the mother to this baby panda who doesn't have a mother. And so they sort of, you know, wackily form this, you know, surrogate family. And um, it's got a theme song that will remind you of the earworm that was Ponyo <laughs> and that it will haunt your dreams for weeks. Um, but yeah, it's, it's adorable and it is lovely. Adorable. And if you, if you are a fan of later stuff from, you know, if you were a fan of Ponyo, if you're a fan of, you know, Pompoko or My Neighbors, the Yamadas or uh, Only Yesterday or Princess Mononoke or Spirited Away, uh, it all kind of starts here. This is the early things. And yes, obviously the, the animation is a lot, is, is cruder than it would be later. Uh, it's less slick. Um, but it's just infectiously adorable (laughs) and it's it's and it's making its way around american theaters for some reason so if you have a kid you want to take to the movies and you don't want to see the bad guys again take him to panda go panda who's distributing this in the u.s uh i want to say i want to say g kids because it's always g kids but i'm not sure hang on a second let me look it is g kids um we were right and yeah i mean it's 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 screening all over the place i mean you know pittsburgh columbus buffalo uh, uh tucson arizona so yeah keep an eye out uh you know for your local theaters take or, your panda loving children yeah and yeah. what children don't love pandas i ask you what grown-ups don't love pandas right they got a five-star review to read Ooh. to you when we get a five-star review on apple Podcasts, we will read it on the show like this one from le dizzler hey le dizzler <laughs> that's french for the dizzler uh subject line alonzo is the skip bayless of movie pods wow well thank you that's sports so yes. you don't have to know 
I, I, I had a hunch. Yeah. Uh, they write, I love this show. Alonzo and Dave never spoil the films. Actually, sometimes we do. Sometimes. I mean, just... We try not to. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, in, we don't spoil the films unless we decide we're going to spoil the films, and then we tell you right. that we're going to spoil the film and to turn off the podcast if you don't want to know. That's true. We're good about that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Alonzo and Dave never spoil the films and always have very interesting points. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Who's more interesting, you or me? <laughs> Don't start this. Should we take a vote? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Dr. Steve says, after serving the Sacramento community for many years, the Sacramento Gay and Lesbian Film Festival is no more. Two years oh. of COVID closures and a dwindling volunteer volunteer staff has taken its toll. Oh. So I'd like to put this out there to LK listeners. If you're still lucky enough, to have a local queer film festival, support it if you can. Volunteer when you can. Uh, I second. True. I second that emotion. Yeah. And uh, it is June, and so there are a lot of uh, festivals happening this month in various parts of well, the planet, really, but around the country, certainly. Uh, yeah, nonprofits in general have all taken a hit over the last couple of years, especially ones like film festivals that rely upon, you know, people gathering in large numbers. So, uh, yeah, support your, your local film festival, buy tickets, donate, volunteer your time, all that good stuff. Catherine says, I don't think I'll be able to see the new Top Gun and not think I don't want to do a throw up. <laughs> Dave has not been yet, so we cannot report if he did a throw up or not. But no, what I'm not going to do a throw up. You're not going to do a because throw-up. I'm not going to go see it in D bag or D box. <laughs> What's it called? D bags and D box. D box. D box. Okay, fine. Where they flip you upside down like a I th- Texas I, State I, Fair. I, ride. I don't think D box has that technology yet. They will one day, I'm sure, but not. Yet. I don't think we're there yet. Robert Kirby. Robert Kirby says, not in the slightest surprised that they didn't acknowledge the, quote, girl character from the first (laughs) Top Gun movie. I'm sure she was just considered window dressing. It's, yeah, it's kind of annoying. Um, You know, and, 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 you know, sadly, and and I think Kelly McGillis even kind of gave a quote of like, oh, well, sure, I'm old now. What are you going to do? And she looks great, but, you know, she looks her age as opposed to Tom trapped in Amber Cruz. Right. And so they just, whoosh, it's like it never happened. She's erased. We don't even have to say her name. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Finally, Ashley says, uh, Margot, who is now almost seven, and says hello. Oh, my. Wow. Hello, Margot. Hi, Margot. Uh, as does Felix, who is almost two. Mm. Billy Jack, Margot, Felix, and I both hope that you watch the Chippendale movie. Ah. Because it is bananas. Uh, not for children at all, only for me, a 35-year-old Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> it would also be good for a 34-year-old Jessica or Rachel or Sarah or Melissa. Amazing. Please enjoy Roger Rabbit, but uh, somehow more upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people keep telling us we have to check it out, so that's definitely on the docket. Um, I mean, all right, fine. 
It's from the director of Hot Rod, Dave. Oh, okay. Well, I'm in. And Pop Star. Okay, I'm very in. Okay. All right. I thought you might be. <laughs> well. You just sold me. I, 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 do what, I do what it takes. Here's the thing. I wasn't a kid when the Rescue Ranger was a TV show. Yeah, but I... I was, I was not a child when it was on. I so wasn't like, either. Should I care? I, I guess I'm going to care. I don't think you have All to. Right. I think it, it goes it goes further out there than that. As, as Amy Nicholson told me on Max Film this week... MC Scat Cat is in it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I fine, knew that. Well, I, that was that was my closing statement. Fine, I knew that would get you. Fine. Um, so yeah, that's our time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, check me out on other podcasts, please. Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network. Also, uh, Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire. We're on YouTube, and we're also a podcast. And uh, my weekly visits to Deck the Hallmark where Bran and I have been doing the 25 weeks of Christmas, which are almost up, which is crazy. Like it, it's going to take us to the end of June and then Christmas in July kicks in and then, you know, all hell breaks loose. Uh, so yeah, uh, please give those shows a visit when you can. Um, thank you for, uh, for being here. Check out our Patreon. Won't you at patreon.com slash linoleum knife. It's where we do lots of additional uh, programming and chatting and chin wagging and balloon juicery. Uh, for people who want to pay for those shows and uh, they're out there and we appreciate them and we hope you'll become one of them. Um, you can subscribe to this show for free at Apple Podcasts. Again, leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the show. You can also leave positive feedback in the many places uh, where we uh, stream, including Spotify, Stitcher Radio, CastBox, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Music, etc., etc. Um, thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Check out all of his wonderful work at blueBLEU.bandcamp.com and uh, his uh, his supergroup LEO. Their album Alpaca's Orgling is now once again available on iTunes um, and Bandcamp and Bandcamp, of course. Yeah. Yes, uh, you can drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at linoleumcast on uh, Twitter, Instagram, mm. and Facebook. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next time with more. We uh, will be talking about. Crimes of the Future and Fire Island and Benediction and all kinds of other stuff. So you won't want to miss it. But until then, goodbye. <laughs>